it's episode four <laughs> of the pod cast it's your favorite podcast about new metal and uh it's with your two favorite people we're doing we're, go- we're going back we're doing a retrospective of i mean i guess we're going to try and do every new metal album that's ever been released uh but this month as you might have been able to tell by my horrible singing uh we're tackling lincoln park's hybrid theory and uh i'm john cullen i am one of your hosts of this show you may know me from block party and you may know my co-host from street fight radio he is a man who is crawling in your skin it's brian quinby yeah i'm nervous about the challenge because like i had two ideas and one was like okay like, let me just write something really good because, I mean, they'll find out at the end. I'll just write something. I know I can write something really good. And then I, like, had to record another podcast and it was just, like, in a different mind space. And I was like, maybe it's better if I just try to figure it out on the fly. So now I'm, like, nervous. I think either way I would have been nervous about it. So I'm just well, warning people for the beginning. I mean, we – I feel like with the scat challenge, we really felt – well, we should probably – sorry, scatting ch- – no, that doesn't sound any better. When we were doing impressions of the lead singer of Corn scatting, Jonathan Davis, I feel like we both felt pretty self-conscious about that. So scat I, only has one meaning on the POD cast, you're right. by the way. Yeah, no, you're right. People should know. That if you're listening <laughs> to this and if you – if when I said it the first time, you thought it meant shit, turn it off. Turn the show off. This isn't for you. So you're you don't not gonna get like it, it. guys. Yeah. You don't understand that shit is not a thing that I do. No, I'm <laughs> I, I don't shit. I don't do it. I never have done it. I never will do it. It's gross. It smells. People don't like it. It's uncomfortable sometimes. I'm just. I'm not doing it. So. Yeah. So fuck it's it. It's brown. I hate brown. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It is a bad color, isn't it? Oh, um, like yeah. I'm, I mean, I, brown I, in general, not shit. I mean, shit's a bad color too, but. I was trying to be a dickhead to my daughter today. She was singing White Christmas. And I uh, said, I'm dreaming of a brown Christmas, like as a joke. <laughs> and she hated it and I hated it. And the whole thing was bad. <laughs> I love that. I love when you say a joke and it just, there's just nothing there for you. And it's, it's worse when it happens on stage. That'll happen sometimes, not usually with like a planned bit, but sometimes, yeah, you'll do a little audience interaction and then you just throw out a thing and, and, uh, and then everyone just, everyone agrees in the moment. Like sometimes I'll throw out a thing. The audience won't laugh and I'll kind of be like, that's on, that's on you. You know, like that, that was actually funny. Pardon me. And you guys like, you guys fucked that up. But other times, pardon me again, you say a thing and then you're just like, you know what? You're right. I I, yeah. I get it. We, that was bad. I shouldn't have said it. And no one, everyone, we were all here for it. None of us liked it. And it was a, bad, enough, it was a bad call. Yeah, I, exactly. I think fair enough. You got me there. <laughs> yes. That was not good. You guys are correct. You can feel it in your own heart and soul. You're like, yeah, you know, we can't get these all right. I'm like, so we're writing our next live show the week of the show. Okay. Which is stupid, but it's like, just we can't burn material on it you know so we're doing news of the week type stuff and i'm just like oh i'm gonna eat a lot of shit 
on this show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's how, that's how it works. I mean, it's the same with stand up. You know, you write a joke and, and, uh, you're never sure until you tell it into a mic like three or four times. And, uh, even then sometimes you're not sure you could be writing a new joke. It could go great the first like five times. And then, then it doesn't anymore. You know, I know. I know there's jokes that I've done 57 times and then I did it twice and it didn't work. And I'm like, fuck that joke. I hate it. Yeah, it's over. (laughs) Yeah. What was funny? I I had a joke like that. Like, I'm not a very edgy comedian, but I I wrote this joke about about school shootings um, and it was going like because I'm a teacher. And so it was like kind of related to that. And basically, like the crux of the joke was that, like, I don't want to I don't want them to give me a gun like they're talking about giving teachers guns and I don't want a gun because I know that I might shoot a kid Um, and just like and it's it's obviously like so over the top and I'm a pretty likable comedian. Comedian. So I feel like, you know, I build up a lot of goodwill. So people know, like, I don't mean it. It's way over the top. So I was doing it in Vancouver and it was going great because like, you know, we're lucky. Like there's not a lot of gun violence in Vancouver. So I think people here feel comfortable. They're like laughing and it was going so great. And then I was in Toronto and I'm like, and I did it in Toronto, like three nights in a row, just nothing nothing. And I was like, what is happening? And then finally, like I was talking to Becca about it and she's like, yeah, but like people get shot here. Like they don't yeah. like people get shot here. They don't want, they, they can't necessarily separate the fact that like, that's a joke, you know? Yeah. It's weird because you like never really do build up goodwill either. You know, yes. like as in like you were saying, I build up all this goodwill. Like I could still get like canceled tomorrow for accidentally saying something true even after nine years of saying mostly right things (laughs) (laughs) yeah no you're right no you're right for sure and i don't think it's like i don't think it's something that i could get canceled over necessarily but it was just like one of those things where i was like how did this go so well like seven or eight times in vancouver before it went so badly in toronto and then you're like oh right okay not everyone is in a headspace where they can like accept uh, this type of choke. I know it's so funny hearing you say that. Cause you are definitely not an edgy, edgy guy. I mean, you no. were on this tour, but that's cause you're doing blocked party and the POD cast. But like other, t- I, I, I don't, I would not imagine your stand up would be very no. dark. I mean, people give me shit about it. You know, people like in the discord for block party or like sometimes people will quit our Patreon and be like, yeah, John's a bitch, you know, or like whatever. And I'm just like, yeah, okay, whatever. Sure. Yeah. Like I'm really boring. I don't know what you want me to tell you, but I mean, you like we say that I'm edgy on our tour, but we did a live POD cast and the only song the audience sang was I try by Macy Gray. So. I don't know how edgy we really got. <laughs> well, I mean, it's just working with Stefan and me. I'm dirty too. Yeah, I, true. I, I motherfucking cuss and stuff like that on stage. I'm a very edgy comedian. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, that's uh, true. And you guys are, you know, you guys are uh, at least the show that we saw, you know, you're, you're speaking some truth to power. You're, you know, you guys are, are getting your, your views, your political views out there. And they're very known as well. Whereas like, I don't, I don't talk about any of that stuff either. You know, I think there's like, it's not only that you're cussing and stuff, but you're also, you would be deemed sort of edgy in the sense that you aren't afraid to like attack someone's politics. Well, can I tell you, I am like constantly terrified that somebody's (laughs) going to cut a clip and play it on Fox news. And I'm going to have a bunch of guys with AR 15s mad at me all the time. Yeah, I would be nervous about that if I were you. <laughs> I think about it a lot. I think about it a lot, especially now that they've had like 
quotes and stuff and and played clips of Chapo on there. I'm like, oof, buddy. <laughs> like, oh yeah. They're getting closer. <laughs> well, especially because like, and, and, you know, I mean, you probably went through this when you were doing Shocktober, but like podcasts are so long. There's like such a long amount of time for you to say something dumb. Like if you, if you look at like, I mean, well, you guys have been doing street fight for so long, but even blocked party, like we've done, if you count bonus episodes, we've maybe done like 80 episodes. So we've probably done over a hundred hours of content. If you go through a hundred hours of content, it's pretty easy to find a one minute sound bite that makes you sound bad, or at least like they can steer their narrative in whatever direction they want because they have oh, literally yeah. hundreds of hours to choose from. There's a video clip of our audience, 200 people of our audience chanting, kill Jeff Bezos in Chicago. <laughs> and it's just like, I keep picturing that showing up on Fox news and just being like, Oh my God. And getting like the visit from the FBI. <laughs> right. Being like our fans being like, uh, classified as a gang. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they like and they'll make up like some name you've never heard of, like, oh, the, the SFR gang. Uh, you know, we've seen a lot of uh, a lot of rhetoric about them online. It happened to ICP, which is really wild. Like, I don't know if ICP's new metal, but uh, I was a huge fan of them. So uh, I know I you were. I mean, I, I would say to me, ICP is definitely a band we're going to cover in a bonus episode for sure. Like for to me, sure. that seems like a that seems like a good bonus episode band. But speaking of doing episodes of this show, maybe we should do this episode. Yeah, let's talk about uh, yeah. Lincoln Park. We'll talk Lincoln. about Lincoln Park. And so what? uh why is it spelled like that is the first question that's a and it is a great question and i'm i don't know if i know the answer to that let me see if i can find it doing a quick well, uh, why Wikipedia is it called search. lincoln park too? lincoln park's in chicago yeah none i of need them, to find out like, none of them why. are none of them are from chicago i know that their original band name was zero with an x and then they changed their band name to hybrid theory uh and then they got signed to warner brothers and there was another band on warner brothers called hybrid so then they had to change their name from Hybrid Theory to Lincoln Park. But I wish their the other band's name was Hybrid Theory. That would <laughs> that like actually would have been incredible. Uh oh, it's a it's a it's a play on and homage to Santa Monica's Lincoln Park. Uh, which is now Yeah, that that famous Lincoln Park. Yes, exactly. Which is now called Christine Emerson Reed Park. And uh, they they initially wanted to spell it lincoln park like abe lincoln or like lincoln park in chicago however they changed it to lincoln why brian take a guess as to why they would have changed it to l-i-n-k-i-n so what i think i'm gonna uh, see i want to say it's an homage to limp biscuit right it's not. but i i bet you money they didn't like limp biscuit so like uh is it about like linking up with people like hey you know we're trying to link all these styles together you're galaxy braining it too hard like that <laughs> that is some that is somehow above the level of thinking that you need to answer this question oh man they just thought it looked neat no that's even i mean that would also make some sense too this is a very 2000 the year 2000 reason they changed it to lincoln park the way it's spelled so that they could have their own domain name 
Oh, yeah, yeah. That they, sounds smart. Because they couldn't have Lincoln, obviously. LincolnPark.com was probably owned by the park in Chicago. Like, even the even the park they're named after probably didn't have the LincolnPark.com domain. I, <laughs> they were probably like LincolnPark1.com or whatever. <laughs> it, it is, it's kind of a miracle that Street Fight isn't spelled wrong. Right. Like, it, it, it is really kind of like, if the show hadn't been called Street Fight Radio, just because I was thinking about, like, at the time, it was kind of like, like, it was, I would do, like, street level, we say street level, like, reporting, where it's like, we're talking about the minutia of everyday life, you know, and that's where I came up, and I thought Street Fight sounded cool together, and all that stuff, that's how we came up with the name, but if that hadn't happened... And it, this show is somehow not like a politics show or something like that. I'd have definitely like spelled a word wrong in the right. name of the show. <laughs> yeah, street fight, like like a fight TV or whatever, like F I T E or you know something <laughs> like that. I'm then, trying to think, like, like what can, how can you make a long e sound with another letter? Is what I'm trying to S T R E E E T. Yeah, it is that street with three E's. <laughs> Just keep saying E until it feels right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, we are we are looking at hybrid theory today, and this was uh, sort of commissioned by our fans. We did a highly controversial poll, uh, and we decided that pardon me, that we would just accept the results. And and this album won by quite a bit over Papa Roach and Spineshank and Coal Chamber. Uh, so Hybrid Theory is the debut album, obviously, from Linkin Park. It was released on October 24th, 2000. And this is, uh, we always talk about the sales of this album. And this might be, we, we probably won't review an album on this podcast that has sold more copies than this one. This album, so it came out late October 2000. However, it didn't hit the highest part of the charts <clears throat> until 2002. So it took them a while. It was after In The End came out that it actually made the top 10. But it debuted at number 29 on the US Billboard 200. It sold 50,000 copies in its first week. So not that okay. great. Got certified gold uh, after five weeks of being released. But by the end of 2001, it sold 4.8 million copies, making it the best-selling album of 2001. And it was estimated the album was continuing to sell 100,000 copies a week in early 2002. Throughout the following years, the album continued to sell at a fast pace and was eventually certified diamond by the RIAA in 2005 shipping 10 million copies in the States. And then it was awarded another level of platinum status after Chester Bennington's death in 2017. So it has gone 11 times platinum and to date has sold 30 million copies Fuck. worldwide. That's double significant other. Yeah. 30. Cause I, I, I Googled how many copies of significant other, as soon as you started to say it was the most. Cause I, 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 I think like follow the leader. Is the only other one I think could possibly get there. Bob, I don't even know if Fall of the Leader went diamond, did it? Oh, it had to. You think so? Let's look. I'll, I'll have it yeah, in you, one you, second. You look. So, yes. Okay. Fall of the Leader sold 14 million oh, copies. Oh, 14. Okay. Fuck. Man, they were selling records back then. But yeah, so Lincoln Park, 30 million worldwide, 10.5 million in the United States. And the album re-entered the Billboard charts after Chester Bennington's death at number eight 
and it went to number one on iTunes and Amazon. Now, Brian, here's a little, I got a little game for you. Uh, cause we like to think about what else was happening in the world. So in early 2002, hybrid theory peaked at number two. So I want you to name what you think was number one and number three, and I'll give you a hint. Number one was a band. And I would say a band in a similar vein to Lincoln park, not the same, but similar vein. And then number three is a female singer. Oh God. Uh, I, I I'm going to guess number three was Britney Spears. No close though. Kind of in that uh, realm. Christina Aguilera. No saying close was, it's not that close. <laughs> <laughs> Think of uh, like Fiona Apple. Oh, I mean, that's a good guess, but no, not, not oh, her either. Jesus. You're missing a big, I mean, well, there, you've hit on two of the big ones, but there's another very big Jessica Simpson. No, no. Oh God. These are like, <laughs> Jessica is, Simpson. My brain a- <laughs> does not stretch back as long as yours, John. I've been okay. using drugs since I was 12 years old. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Number three, uh, Jennifer Lopez. Oh shit. Yeah. yeah. I should have guessed her. And I Gen- would have never guessed her though. Jennifer Lopez's remix album called J to the L O. I don't think about Jennifer Lopez ever. Me neither. You know? I honestly like, don't either. You're right. That's a good, like that's a great way to- her. My wife and daughter love her, but I, I, I would never even think about ever thinking about yeah. Jennifer Lopez. <laughs> Okay, and number one, what what could it not pass for number one? It was a also kind of a modern rock band. Creed. Creed is correct. I the know al- it. The My album. own pre-zone. <laughs> yeah, the that album. album was huge. And I'll, I'll say this. I was tricked into liking like the first three Creed songs that came out. <laughs> the, the funny part is it's not even their good album. It's Weathered. Because that's 2002. I think My Own Prison and uh, Higher were earlier. This one had uh, My Sacrifice on it. Oh, that song bangs, uh, though. My Sacrifice. Yeah, and Bullets and One Last Breath. Oh, my God. When I was working as a cable guy, my boss came in. And uh, he knew I liked music a lot. Like, he was was like, oh, you're a big music guy, right? Like, metal. And I was like, yeah, I, I like some metal and like I, I mostly like like Radiohead at this time and stuff like that. But I'm like, yeah, I like some metal. He's like, you got to check out Alter Bridge. <laughs> Hell yeah! And I was like, I'm not gonna do that. And he was like, <laughs> No, dude, no, dude. Oh, I had told him I liked like some proggy stuff, like uh, uh, Mars Volta. I was mm, very mm-hmm. into Mars Volta at a time. Sure, yep. And I was like, Yeah, I like more prog rock. He's like, You know what's prog rock is Alter Bridge. It's all the guys from Creed <laughs> except for Scott Stapp. And I was yeah. like, I'll never hear Alter Bridge in my entire life. Getting, getting rid of Scott Stapp was when they became prog. That was like they couldn't they couldn't handle it. They're like, Oh, we got it. Because we just get rid of this guy, this Eddie Vedder sounding guy, then we'll be prog. Nobody's uh, writing <laughs> choruses for our songs. What's going on here? Yeah, exactly. You know? This is bullshit. We don't know uh, how so- long to go. Oh, we don't know how long this song should be without Scott Stapp's <laughs> yeah. lyrics in it. I'm saying my sacrifice fucking is off the Scream soundtrack, I believe. And uh, I yeah, it could be. I, I loved know. that fucking song, Scream oh, Three. I remember when Higher came out, and I was all about it. You know, now that you, one I couldn't. I couldn't with that one. That little just that little lick always that always got me every time, and I didn't. You know. Scott Stapp, I, I I do think there's something to the like notion that a rock band should have a singer that's like very easy to sing along with. 
Like you've got like, like Scott Stapp is very easy to kind of just be like, like you don't have to be a great singer to just be like, can you take me and like, feel like you feel like ah, I'm in there. You know, it's kind of like the same thing with Nickelback. I feel it's like no one thinks Chad Kruger's like a great singer, but it's real easy to just be kind of like, this is how you remind me, you know? And you're like, oh yeah. It's like, I kind of like, I, I like that song that you were just singing. Nickelback, the, the the Nickelback song. I know people are like, you have the, like the worst taste in the world, but that <laughs> that song where he says, <laughs> "It's not like you, so sorry." Who's yeah. thinking of a different story? I like that song. That's a good it, song. Yeah, it's like fine. cumbersome by Seven Mary Three. <laughs> it's just one of those fucking songs. It's like it just works. You yeah. know, I'm not saying that I'm a Nickelback fan because I don't know a single other song, but I will listen to that song. I remember like Nickelback's very funny as a Canadian because they're like their early stuff was seen as like cool. You know, like when the state came out, I remember like leader of men not being on much music and being like, okay, like people thought, okay, this is like a badass, like pretty cool band. Like they were sort of, if you like new metal, you also liked Nickelback and that was like totally regular. And then this is how you remind that came out. And then everyone was like, oh, this is not, this is no good, you know? Yeah, well, I, I shouldn't like, say everyone. I should say that's when, like, you know, people who thought they were above it were just like, okay, I'm out on. Well, I'm there's out on only this shit. room for one Eddie Vedder guy in new metal, or maybe two. Uh, like, cause Sully from Godsmack. Oh, for sure. Is a is a Eddie Vedder, and Aaron Lewis was an Eddie Vedder. Yet, like Sully was like Eddie Vedder with no tone. Like he he's like the he's like the the baritone Eddie Vedder, which sounds like impossible <laughs> to say, but just I'm just thinking of like I'm not the one who's oh, over. That's my shit. That's when all. I feel the snake, but into like that's uh, yeah. I I liked Godsmack. I had no problem with it. I stand alone. Like that's all good. That's all good stuff. But he was like almost a register deeper. Aaron Lewis was definitely like he was like Eddie Vedder, but like emo he's like emo eddie vetter somehow right. you know there's That's- almost no difference between stained and creed really no it just cred right because stained had the like the limp biscuit and like corn respect yep that's Whereas- all and just go is a good song but lincoln park though <laughs> yeah no lincoln park well we always do this every episode of the show i'm like oh cool like i'll listen to the deftones episode i'm like oh we talked about corn for like 20 minutes but yeah, uh, it happens man but yes it's, it doesn't it's fucking podcasting no one it's a, a free-flowing show it is, is a free-flowing show there's no time limit it just flows we flow well that's the thing the problem well not the problem but we only do one of these a month so i don't care like when we're doing block party i'm like as soon as we get to an hour i'm like very conscious of it i'm like okay we got to be wrapping up in the next like 10 15 minutes with you and i it's like this is once a month man we get we do whatever we want who cares that's how i feel too i was explaining to somebody yesterday that like my baseline right now is three hours because i have the call-in show every sunday and also when i record the hour basement show i record us watching undercover boss before that so even that <laughs> yeah. show is like close to that night ends up being like two and a half, three hours. Yeah. So this is like, this is light for you. This is yeah, a light, like du- light duty for me, but I did do two hours, like four hours ago. Okay. So. Yeah. So we'll, we'll, but, keep, uh, we'll keep it tight, but I was curious. So we'll, we always start by talking about our own history with the band. And this is, I'm interested for this one because we, this is kind of the first album that we've done where we sort of are coming 
at it. Well, we've come at the other three albums from very different places, but this is one where you straight up like did not listen to or like this band. So tell tell me about your history with Linkin Park. Yeah, I'm like really interested in yours too, but I just I, so here's my theory. The period when this album came out, right? You had to be 15 between 10 and 16 years old to like it. And if yep. you were any older than that, the chances the older you got away from it, the more of a chance you are going to hate it, you know. And I I really hated this band when they came <laughs> out. I I I thought they were corny from the first day they came out. Yeah, no, that's fair. Like I definitely didn't have that sense of it. Like so here, here's what I, I've been working on this theory today, if you will, uh, this, this hybrid theory. Yeah. Um, so your theory I think is very good. Like I, so when this album came out, I would have been 14, but as we've noted, it, it didn't get big right away. Like I want to say that I first probably heard, heard it, pardon me in 2001, it was released bef- a week before my birthday in 2000, pardon me, but I don't think too many people were listening to it then. And also like the internet didn't really exist for, you know, like it did, but it wasn't, I wasn't finding music there. Like it much music for me is like until something was getting played on there, I wasn't listening to it, you know? So for me, uh, I, I, I just remember I was in that phase and we've talked about this before. I was in that phase of my life where I really was like, really rejected other types of music, you know, like I was very snobby. It was like, I had corn, I had limp biscuit. There were like a few songs and stuff from other bands I liked, but I, I, I wasn't even into the Deftones yet at this point. And I was very much like everything else is bullshit. And I listened to the heavy shit and you got, you guys are all, are all wimps. I listened to the real, the real shit, you know? And, um, this was one where I, c- I can fully remember the one step closer video. Chester's got his like dyed red hair. He's wearing like a green tracksuit thing. And I remember seeing the opening of the video and judging them right away. Like probably the same way you did of just you. You might have seen the video or heard the song and been like, these guys are like posers. These guys are like, what are they doing? You know? And then I remember when it got to the shut up when I'm talking to you. When it got to that part, I'm like, oh, no, this is dope. I'm in. I'm in all the way. I love this. And That's interesting because I probably listened to them in 2000 the first right. time because I right. had known they were coming out because I read Kerrang and Revolver and Blender and all the magazines and I knew this Linkin Park thing was happening. But I think it was like kind of a second wave new metal thing where it was like, OK, we all decided that new metal sucks now. And anything that comes out after this is bad. And I, I had, I think I was like sort of turned off from the, them the whole time because like, when did I, I, I need to know when white pony came out, you know, 2000 also, I think it came out in 2000. Okay. Cause I, I think thought so. maybe it's, it came it's out 2000 in 2003. or 2001. I think. But I think white pony changed what I think was good. It came out right. in 2000, June 20th, yeah. 2000. That's so I, I think White Pony kind of changed what I think is good and what I thought was interesting and and what I enjoyed about about metal. And it like started to move me in a different direction. And it felt like getting into these guys was moving backwards, I right. think, to okay. me at the time. I could see that. So here's my theory on Linkin Park. So 
and like I said, this is what I was working on today. And I I think this is, I think this is might be accurate. So I've talked before about, you know, corn was like that band that, and we both talked about this, that, you know, we had, or I had like a good life. Like nothing was really wrong in my life. My parents were really nice. They were together. They didn't fight. I wasn't abused. I went to a good school. I I played sports. I didn't want for anything. I had a good life. And then I heard one corn song and I was like, oh, my life is a piece of shit. And this is fucking horrible. <laughs> and uh, Lincoln Park to me, I think is like the natural progression of that. It like, like, New metal got so big, like Limp Bizkit and Corn got so big with like kind of a renegade sound, you know, like it, it became pop music, but it became pop through like sheer force of will. And it makes sense to me that a band saw that and went, well, this isn't really poppy, but we could make a pop version of this that would destroy you know, and that to me is like what Lincoln Park is like. Lincoln Park was for all the people who liked a couple corn songs, but were never going to buy a corn album. You know, Lincoln Park was that band. That's why they've sold double the copies of corn and, L- and Limp Biscuit. To me, it's like they they scooped up all those people on the outside who are like, well, I like Freak on a Leash, but I don't really like anything else I heard by Corn, or I like Nookie, but I don't really like anything else by Limp Biscuit. Like Lincoln Park was that sort of safe alternative and. Chester's whole ethos like corn was the like I'm abused my life sucks I'm putting it out there some of you may be feeling some of these feelings but they were very specific feelings it was very specific like I was abused I had a really hard childhood I got made fun of all the time Limp Biscuit was very much like we're too cool for school we're famous we're rich we're kicking ass we got a big sound we were the best and then Lincoln Park was that like kind of the continuation of corn where it was like Hey, do you just feel lonely? Are you like lonely sometimes? Well, hey, guess what? Like you might have a great life. You might be cool, you know, whatever. But like you also have sometimes when you're home alone, you know, or you're driving your car at night, you're like, you know what? But I am kind of a bit lonely. That's where like Lincoln Park swooped in and they were like, you don't have to have a big reason. You don't have to be so sad. We just got like a nice sounding way of delivering this sort of message. You know, it was like a really like polished version of the sort of new metal message i think that's another thing that bothered me though was the polished part of it we talked about that first corn album and i talked about how like the the sound that i see is a detriment to that album now and i wish they would remaster uh at the time was a positive to me and i had also gotten kind of annoyed with follow the leader when follow the leader came out i was annoyed with it because it sounded very cleaned up you know, I, I liked life as peachy more and with Lincoln Park always sounded cleaned up and they really gave, <laughs> they felt like a boy band in a way, but for boys, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, for sure. I mean, I think there's been lots of those throughout history, right? Like there's lots of boy bands that are kind of for boys, you know, yeah. like you give from the Beatles all the way, all the way through, you know, it's not like they didn't find them, but then that's the thing too, is I think Lincoln park. I mean, I only went to one Lincoln park show ever and it was, they were opening up for Metallica. So it's not really representative of their fan base, but you have to imagine they had a way bigger female fan base than Limp Bizkit and Corn. You'd think. Probably. Yeah, I would yeah. guess that. I mean, they were younger, younger guys. Chester was, a. I mean, like, <laughs> if you put pictures of Linkin Park up with pictures of Corn 
especially corn. Look, look at Lincoln Park next to corn. And it's like, yes, of course, like younger people are going to like Lincoln Park more because corn looks fucking scary. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. And and even the way they shot those photo shoots, right? Like you, yeah, like corn photo shoots were designed to be like, we're a scary band. Be scared of us. Like we're cool. We're like, I think I said before, the poster of corn I had in my room, Jonathan Davis was sitting on a throne holding the leash of two pit bulls. And then the rest of the band members were like standing around him sitting on the throne. And they're all like mean mugging for the camera, whatever. And if you look at band shots of Lincoln Park, it's like we're hot. Like we're yeah. hot. We're like, we're hot dudes, especially Chester. But like Mike Shinoda's not a bad looking guy either, you know, no. like, and they, and they are all skinny dudes, good looking guys. Like, so yeah, to me, uh, that was sort of what they were going for. Like, if you look at a photo shoot of Lincoln park, it's like, Hey, our lead singer is like pretty hot. And even if you don't like him, there's actually like a couple other, like pretty good looking guys in the band too, <laughs> you know? So yeah. cause that's the thing about a boy band. You got to have options, right? I mean, sure. no, no one, no one wanted to fuck Kevin. But, you know, there were some AJ fans. There were some Brian fans. It wasn't just all Nick, you know? True, true. Um, I, I think one of the things I like, I ended up happening over listening to this for the past couple of weeks is like, I've, I've, I started to like it, you know? Like, now that I'm older um, and I understand that this music isn't probably made with me in mind, which, which is a big deal you know i was like 22 at the time that yeah i was like 22 or 23 when it came out and it just didn't i didn't respond to it at all like i i was just like i this sucks you know this is this is children's music i feel like it is children's music still to this day league of bark is children's music sure you know and i do also think that it was uh, a lot of bad habits got formed from like Lincoln Park sound to, in my opinion, like some of the, uh, uh, more singy parts of that. Like a lot of bands just took the singing parts of the songs and made it their whole thing. And uh, that's where that, I feel like that, that, that like muddled generic, like breaking Benjamin, uh, I can never think of another band, Hollywood undead trapped like that whole time of like generic shit sure yeah like was a direct result of lincoln park getting Definitely. successful i think so too like because i think it, i often have trouble defining bands that like aren't new metal but like aren't emo either like there was that whole sect of bands that you're talking about yeah like breaking benjamin trapped i remember like like even early 30 seconds to mars uh Volbeat. It's one of those bands like yeah. you just see it and you're like I don't want that Chevelle trust company like there were all those bands like that where it was like okay this isn't really new metal but it's also not really emo because at that time like emo and screamo was really exploding but there were like all these bands that like weren't either of those things and I think it's interesting like to me this is what backs up my theory of Linkin Park is that if you listen to this album in Meteora, the one that comes after, and that was released in 03, I think, or late 02, um, 
if you listen to those two albums, it's very much of this sound. It's very much like they're, they're trying, it seems like they're trying to create this sort of like pop new metal sound. And then after it's like very clear that after Meteora new metal was like finished, like finished, finished, like no one was doing it anymore. Like, you know, corn was still making albums, but whatever, you know, that was the kind of sort of corn's fallow period. Uh, limp biscuit fell off the face of the earth and then Lincoln park went heavier like they went more metal because it was almost like they were like, okay, we're, we're they could have pushed into the pop. They could have maybe done sort of almost like a cold play type turn, but they went the other way and they're like, okay, well, we're probably not going to hold on to our fans that liked us because we were kind of poppy, but we might be able to hold on to our fans that kind of liked us because we were metal. And I think that that's what happened is like you sort of see a lot that and I'm not saying Linkin Park was metal, but they certainly got heavier as their albums got got you know, older or sorry, as they, as they got older as a band. And I think that that's possibly why that they were sort of like, Oh, this is the pivot that makes sense. They were also put in sort of a terrible, terrible position too. Cause again, it's like picking up the flag that started in like 1995 with that first corn album and like trying to run with, run with that, you know, was pretty unfair. Cause I don't really feel like they were trying to do the same kind of music as corn or limp biscuit, you know? Oh yeah, it, definitely not for sure. Just, but they they were given that as that like that was what MTV thought they were or, or much music. They were like, you know, here's the new band that's like Corn and Limp Biscuit, Lincoln Park, and then they would come on, and a guy like me would see it, and I'd be like, no, no, this is not, <laughs> this is not what I like. Okay. <laughs> well, and I think too, like, so you know, we're gonna read some articles later, but Lincoln Park was on Ozfest. Like, you know, you can't imagine that at that time that being a fit, you know, for them, it was totally that they were, you know, being put into this box. And one thing I think too, that really separates them when you start to talk about the actual songwriting, um, is that Chester's scream is like crazy good. Like he screams in tune. Like it's a weird, like he has this very unique ability. Like obviously he's a great singer, but he also has this very unique ability to like scream, but it sounds like singing. And I think yeah, that I that's think, where like a lot of those kind of bands that we talked about that came after, they kind of were like, oh, cool. Like this isn't like an angry scream. This is a like we're we're screaming, but it's like auto tuned and it like sounds good. Yeah. Three Days Grace. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's a good shine one. down. Oh, yeah. That's good. Seether. Too. <laughs> seether. Yeah. You love a Seether album. I was all over Seether back in the day. What was their <laughs> fucking what was their single? Oh, man, I can't. Uh, what was no, the I Seether? One of oh. singing that could have made it as a wise man. Yeah, that's Nickelback too. That's Nickelback. I'll have it in two seconds here, Seether, because I do. Uh, oh, uh, oh no! What the oh, fuck? For fuck's sake! The, I know the internet so, is so oh, bad. Well, they did broken. Uh, you know the Amy Lee. Uh, Cause I'm broken. There's like that shit, but like. What the fuck was their like song in the early days? Fine again. Fine again. Yeah. Is that it? I got That's it. That's okay. the song. I got But I can't this. remember what the fucking lyrics yeah, were. Yeah, I'm putting it on right now. And this is not going to sound good cuz I'm just doing it through my computer, but Oh, yeah. This is the fucking one. Yeah, this is so fucking like Linkin Park. I yeah. mean, I I can't say that it's 
Lincoln Park's directly responsible for this, but they are directly responsible for modern or for hard rock radio picking this up and never letting it go. You know, like picking up this style of music that that's like sort of vaguely angsty and is uh, is just generic as fuck. Now, Lincoln Park is not generic. I don't think they're a generic band. They have a very specific sound that is only they did, you know, but some of those hard rock bands that were adapting their stuff were just. It was really depressing. It was some real lowest common denominator shit. Oh, for sure. I, <laughs> I'm i going to be honest. I didn't hear a lot of what you said there because the very first comment on the fine again video is unbelievable. What, wait, you got to read <laughs> okay, it now. I will. <laughs> this is also from 10 months ago. Okay, so fine again came out like whatever, 20 years ago. This is from 10 months ago. 12 years ago my wife tried to stab me to death when i caught her cheating on me (laughs) i spent months wondering why didn't i die i don't want to live anymore why did i survive i turned to alcoholism and drug abuse to numb the pain my parents tried to get me help and i didn't want any part of it one day my mother was taking me to a therapist appointment and i heard fine again play on the radio in the car being the first time I heard the song, it spoke to me and it got through to me where professionals and doctors had failed. The more I listened to it, the more it helped me climb out of the hole I was in. I really feel like the song saved my life, saved me from myself, uh, blah, blah, blah. This is one of my favorite songs of all time. And it meant the world to me that I got to watch Seether perform fine again in Mobile for the Poison the Parish tour just a few months ago. I know the song wasn't written for me, but it helped me save myself from myself. Beautiful. Dr. Seether, MD. (laughs) I just, it's like, you know, my brain is just so fucked up that I'm like laughing. Like I see that and I'm like, oh, that's funny to me. (laughs) Like, you know, it's like this guy, like, you know. Earnest stories about bands that you can't imagine having one fan are very cool. Yeah. And that's what it is, right? It's not, I'm not laughing at this. Like, it's obviously great that this guy lived and got through all of his demons, but it's like the idea that it's the Seether song that you hear on the radio that really turned it around for you, you know? Yeah, Seether. That's like when Head from Corn talks about (laughs) his, when he decided to finally find Jesus. Right. Was he was listening to Nine Inch Nails, Head Like a Hole. When he says, bow down before the one you serve. And uh, he had took the exactly totally wrong message from that (laughs) lyric. (laughs) Yeah, well, you know, that's the thing about lyrics, right? They're just open to interpretation, Brian. You can take them any way you want. And that's the whole thing that makes a lot of sense. Uh, so So you said you started to like this album. What are some of the things that stand out for you about... Like, what are some maybe some songs you like or some things that you that is standing out to you that that you feel like you're kind of turning the page on this a little bit? Well, I I think I do think Chester is a good singer, like a good he's a good front man for like a children's band for a band (laughs) specifically geared towards children. His like voice is very agreeable and it's easy to listen to. And, uh, I mean, some of the lyrics are not bad. Uh, Here's the thing. If I was 11 and I heard those (laughs) lyrics, I would fucking be like, I really feel this. 
You yeah. know, but I'm listening to this whole album for the first time two weeks ago. Right. And, and just hearing it, it's just like, I mean, this is like memes that like people from my hometown share. The, like a lot of these songs have that that energy, that kind of like, you know, Lord help me. I, I don't want to go back to the real me kind of energy. Right. Or we used to play outside when I was a kid, <laughs> but now kids just lay in their bed, like sort of stuff. And it, it, it that's the kind of like, that's the vibe I get from their lyrics, the, the vagueness of the songs and the fact that like, it seems like all the song, uh, all, none of the songs are, are, are kind of about any, they're, they're just vaguely angsty, right. except for there seems to be one song on this album. That's about a girl, you know, where I was like, yeah. Oh, okay. All right. And now I see a girl has pissed you off. So that's something <laughs> I guess. You know? Well, that's kind of what I was saying earlier. Like, I, I sort of feel like with Jonathan Davis, it was like, this is my very specific pain. Your pain might not be the same, but you might be going through some pain so we can go through it together. Whereas Chester was like, I'm going to write lyrics so that no matter what your pain is, you can ascribe it to anything. You can listen to this song and you can be like, yeah, this is he's talking to me. You know, yeah, like I me- think. To me, that indicates like generic, though. <laughs> no, no, I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm, I'm just saying like that's I think where he was coming from with a lot of this. Like, you know, I, I think your Facebook memes comment is pretty spot on. You could totally see something like I tried so hard and got so far. But in the end, it doesn't even matter. Like you could see that on a pillow. You just see that like stitched on a pillow somewhere or something, you know, like. Yeah, I mean, but th- none of this stuff. I'm really not trying to... I, I'm trying to be fairly positive about the album. And uh, I found... Here's the thing. I found myself singing the songs. And I think that was the big important thing for me. Is like, am I even going to like be able to build a connection to this? And the more times I listened to it, the more times I was like, okay, uh... I'm singing Paper Cut now. I know Paper Cut. I'd never heard that song before. And I was singing uh, One Step Closer. And, and like I was singing the songs along. And uh, also at times kind of felt like it was heavy. But it does. It does. It's got the same sort of problem as Trapped. And that it none of it sounds exceptionally heavy. You know, like nothing sounds like it's like brutal or anything, but maybe that wasn't what they were going for. Yeah, I don't think they were. I mean, I I remember seeing them live. Uh, A lot of their songs came across a lot heavier because I think you can tell when you're listening to it just on record. They certainly um, softened the blow of like a lot of the guitars, especially that were happening in the songs. Like if you look, like if you think about the songs, like the guitars, you know, for a metal band or a a rock band, like the guitars are almost like buried in the mix on some of the songs. Like you think about like in the end, like there's the piano and then it gets to the chorus and it's almost just sort of like a whitewash of like guitar noise. But then when you see it live, like, so I went, I've talked about this before, but I went to summer sanitarium in 2003 and it was Metallica, Limp Bizkit, Linkin Park, Deftones and Mudvayne. And Linkin Park had the biggest mosh pit of the day. I would say like by almost double, 
Like it was like, cause it was at a football stadium. So the whole football field was the floor and it was just fucking chaos. Like, and I think it's because live, the songs were a little bit, you know, Chester would scream more and the songs came across as heavier live, but I certainly agree with you on record. The, the, the edges are very soft. Yeah. I saw him at Ozfest. I, I think, I think I actually actually went to Oz. I got to find out when they played Ozfest and know the, the other artic- bands. The but article I, think I, was I was reading, there. I think it said that they were playing it in 2001. They might have played it other times, but I read they did an interview with them playing Ozfest, and I think it was 2001. Yeah, I would have uh, gone to that. You yeah, know, Jul- July 2001, and Lincoln Park are in town to play Ozfest. Super terrorizer. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that the, I think that's I was one of the at bands? these shows. Well, maybe not because there weren't any bands I liked at it, except for Black Sabbath, uh, Marilyn Manson, and Slipknot and Papa Ro- Okay, I-, I had to have been there, but uh, I-, I I guess like I probably probably went to the other stage when they were on or something. Sure. Like it is, they were like real, like I. I don't want anything to do with this. I don't want anybody to even think that I like Linkin Park. A funny thing, I, I like, but if I had been in high school when it came out, I would deeply care about Linkin Park. I would, I, they would be the most important band, I think, to me. It's, that's why I understand why there's such good feelings. I think like. A big surprise to me was when we started doing this show was how many people that were just a little bit younger than me, like this band was the, the most important thing in the world to them, you know, and and have told me, I'm like, this was one of the ones they wanted us to do very early on and stuff. And it's like, uh, I was almost nervous to do it because again, I, I don't, I don't have a connection with these guys. But I see what they're doing. I see what they were doing now. And it is nice to have kind of some generic songs so that kids can be like, uh, so that any kid can apply it to their hormonal issues that they're having at the time, you know? For sure. (laughs) For sure. We just did a podcast with my daughter. uh, We were talking about our teen years. And I I was kind of talking about how when I was, um, 15 16 i would go to a party where everybody was at and then i would just go pout in the corner so that people would come up and ask me what was wrong with me for like the attention you know Yeah. oh yeah i've been there and like i think that version of me would have really loved lincoln park but when you're 21 (laughs) or 22 that version of you dies, you know, once you've moved out on your own and you're like paying rent, that version of you most of the time dies. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. And I think, yeah, it's weird because Lincoln park came out. Like I would have probably known about them when I was like 16. So I'm sort of fitting the criteria you're talking about, but I don't know that they just, I liked them. Definitely. I really liked this album. And I and like, I remember when Meteora was coming out, like I was so excited for that album and I still really like that album too. Um, and I think it's better than this one, I think, but 
I've heard a lot yeah. of people said that. Yeah. Well, here's my like, cause here's the thing about this one. And I, I sort of showed you this. The So Linkin Park did a remix album of this called reanimation. Um, and it features a lot of rappers and a lot of uh, new metal people. So it's got uh, the lead singer of taproot. It's got Steph Carpenter from the Deftones. It's got Jonathan Davis, Aaron Lewis. And then it's also got like a couple guys from Jurassic five black thought, um, Pharaoh Monch. Uh, so it was kind of a combination. And to me, I felt like the weak songs on hybrid theory, it, th- this is the thing I would say about Lincoln Park is like, even the songs on hybrid theory, I don't like there are parts in them that are very good that, that Lincoln Park was able to go. Okay we can make this song better because like there are a lot of songs from hybrid theory that get a lot better on reanimation, like very interesting arrangements, way different stuff. It like, it doesn't really play like a remix album of this time period. Like I remember remix albums at this time. I hated them. I didn't want to hear them. They were like, they, it was just like, Oh, let's take this song, make it eight minutes long. Uh, chop up the vocals, maybe do some sort of shitty rap thing. Like it just sucked. And this one was like really one that got me. And like, so I think like uh, songs like place for my head, pushing me away, paper cut points of authority, forgotten all get way better on reanimation. It's like, they're like, Hey, here's 30 seconds of this song that kind of fucking kicked ass. And now we're going to make it like a real song. Like it was almost like they learned how to be a band on reanimation. Cause obviously like hybrid theory, like the singles are indisputable one step closer crawling. And in the end, indisputable, great songs. Uh, but this was real. I mean, the, the remix album really shows that there were really good pieces there and they figured out and then Meteora was when they were like, okay, this is, we're going to take all the pieces and we're going to make them into something real cool. Right. And I, I almost don't, this is, this is one of those rare, cause I don't like to, sh- I didn't, I don't want to do the show and like shit on people's taste or whatever. Like uh, that's pointless when you're doing a new metal podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Everybody this is for the people with no taste. taste. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, that's not, that's not something I, and I, I think like I did get, I gaining an understanding of what they do and what they're about was was probably pretty important to me, you know, like now for, for me to understand it. And like, I get more what they were about after listening to the album than I did after just like making a snap judgment on them. As soon as I kind of read their first interviews and heard one step closer, I was just like, uh, I think I liked one step closer when it came out because that shut up when I'm talking to you stuff is very cool. For like sure, for teenage me, and um, I, I I think that early stuff was was really uh, I don't know it, it's good. I haven't listened to any of the remixes though. That that's a problem. But they, I mean, having Stephen Carpenter on it may, may make me go back and listen. Oh, dude, and you gotta you gotta do you gotta listen to it. There's some band, like especially I saw you you tweeted that a place for my head is a real banger. On reanimation, it is, I mean, you're going to love it. And, and like this band, this is their first album. This band, from what I can tell, consistently got better 
as they went, which is very rare in this kind of pop music thing where it's they're not you're not really sure what you're going to do. They also had an image of being hard workers and of of like really caring about the music music and getting it out to people. And they had ethics about the way that they did things kind of like minor threat. And it was, there is like a lot there. There is so much you can sink your teeth into, you yeah, know? No, for sure. And I definitely like, we're, we're going to read some articles here in a, in a quick second that, that kind of talk about that, about their work ethic and sort of like that. They were sort of the antithesis of a lot of those bands at the time too. Like they didn't drink, they didn't do drugs. Uh, you know, like it sounds like they did a little bit of that stuff, but they, they didn't let it dominate their, you know, their art form, I guess, for lack of a better word, or dominate their lives. Like a couple of these articles that were written at the time that hybrid theory was blowing up are all kind of suggesting that they were sort of a boring band as far as like just being dudes went, you know? Uh, but one thing I wanted to touch on just before we get to the, to our article review, the one thing that also, that is a little bit weird to me that strikes me in Lincoln park. And, and I think we might find this, when we go through all the new metal uh, history, Lincoln park might be the worst players. Like they might be the worst musicians, I don't which know, is a, which is a know. weird I one think... to me. I don't know. Like there might be some smaller bands or stuff we do that. I didn't hear that is worse than this, but I just think like, you know, we, we talked a lot about corn, limp biscuit, deftones, you know, you can say what you want about limp biscuit, but you can't deny that, that the band members are excellent players uh, same thing with corn, uh, and obviously same thing with Deftones. Uh, but this to me is like Chester is, you know, one of the tops, uh, to ever do it in the genre for sure. Um, but then like after that, you know, I'm struggling to, to, to say that they're great musicians. I, I think there's something to be said for kind of, uh, I I'm, I'm trying to think of a way to say this. Like, I like bands that that don't go 100% all like I'm not a virtuoso guy. I'm not even a guy that really cares if they can play the guitar. Like Fieldy can't play a bass. <laughs> True. Obviously. The guy has no fucking idea what he's doing on that thing. <laughs> and he's been playing it more of his life than he wasn't playing it. <laughs> yeah, true. So, like I I kind of appreciate the econ- I guess the economy the, like the the way that they kind of stripped it all down it was a very clean sound that 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 i that's the best way i can describe lincoln park it's a super clean sound there's not a ton of shit going on in the background yeah you know, no, there's for sure. not there's not a bunch of stuff going on and they seem to have pretty simple straightforward songs and that is that that's all you can really ask for you know for me it it's like if you're trying to do pop music it can't be difficult and they seem to be doing pop music i don't again i don't think they want i, I mean I, I i'm gonna guess that uh they hated being called new metal from the beginning because by 2000 especially 2001 when they started to hit people the backlash had begun completely oh, for sure yeah i mean i saw limp biscuit in 2003 and people booed them when they came out and they were yeah. di- and they were direct support on the sanitarium tour um but yeah i i hear what you're saying i just i just think of 
of like, I don't need virtuosos either. Obviously, like I don't listen to death metal. I don't listen to band, you know, bands where it's like, oh, I'm not a shred guy or anything like that. But it's just I don't know. There's just something about it where, yes, I agree. They made like some iconic riffs and stuff, but it just never struck me. I, it's because I always stick on this one quote in Meteora in the album notes. Uh, they had like little comments about every song, like the band members would kind of like just throw in sort of like, oh, this is what was happening at the time. Like Chester might talk about like what the lyrics were about and some of them might talk about their choices. And I remember on the song Breaking the Habit, they were talking about how great of a job their drummer did. It was like, oh, you know, man, we just can't believe like, you know, Rob really pushed himself. I think the drummer's name is Rob really pushed himself on this track. You know, this is like crazy shit. He's like never done before. And it's like so good and we love it. And it's like the drums of that song are completely unremarkable. It's like, he's just doing, he's just, <laughs> he's just doing like 16ths on the hi hat. I guess that was like the part that was hard for him or something. I don't know. It just always came across to me like, and the guy fucking wore headphones all the time on stage. That pissed me off. That was a shitty look. I didn't like that either. Dub look. It sounds like it looks like you're trying to listen to different music while you're playing. Like it's and that for thing all we, we talked know, about he, with Wes Borland. For all we know, he might've been trying to listen to different music. Yeah. Uh, he's just up there listening to something <laughs> hipper than Lincoln Park you yeah know? totally but but I think that I, I, I just I, I to clarify like I I think these guys were like crafting pop songs and they wanted them to be very straightforward and they wanted people to understand everything you know they're another band where uh, not a lot of these bands in this I guess Limp Biscuit would be the only other one is the only band where you can understand every fucking single word they said. Like he wanted you to know every lyric on the album. And I think that like they wanted those guitars simple. They wanted those lyrics simple and they wanted the drums and turntable shit. They wanted that all simple and clean and uh, no extra shit because I've said this. I think I don't know if I said this on a significant other episode. I kind of took some shots at him, but I didn't really say it. Is that like I think a lot of times in new metal, and uh, especially in an album as iconic to us as Three Dollar Bill, y'all, I think the turntables sound like fucking shit. And his on, on Lincoln Park. They seem like one of the only bands that use the that use the DJ correctly, you know. Sure. And that's the kind of rap thing too, right? Like they were clearly trying to be like if other new metal bands were sort of like we're like, yeah, you know, we're like rap rock, but like it's not, you know, it's not really we're not really rapping, you know. Like Linkin Park was rapping. Like to say like that Jonathan Davis was rapping is like a little bit, you know, like, yes, there were maybe some kind of like break beats in the songs and there was some kind of, you know, the way that the lyrics were being delivered was maybe in a little bit more of a spoken cadence than a singing cadence. But I mean, it wasn't rapping, you know, Lincoln Park was like, no, we're rapping and we have a DJ and he's a good DJ and we're doing the thing, you know? Um, yeah, I just find it impressive because there were, I, I'm going to do this again on the show, but there were so many songs that the guitars were just like, 
playing one thing, and then when the breakdown came on, the guitar's just fucking going off heavy, and and the fucking turntable just going wacka 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 wacka, and you're like, what the fuck? Well, I can't. What is this? It's just extra noise, you know. And Lincoln Park, I respect the fuck out of them for for making almost minimalist songs on this album. Yeah, no, I, I, I hear that. Um, before we get to the, the article review, did you want to say anything about the album art? Uh, it, it, the album art might've turned me off too. Yeah. It's not great. Is something like that. They, I mean, we all know I'm, I'm not a sci-fi guy. I'm right. not, uh, uh, and it feels sci-fi. I don't know. The album cover looks like a sci-fi TV show, like the TV show on a sci-fi network. Right. Yeah, it looks that, like an early video game graphic almost, like if you were playing like a PS2 game or something. Because this says, uh, so here's what the band says. Uh, With Hybrid Theory being Linkin Park's first album, Mike Shinoda, who had worked as a graphic designer before becoming a musician, has stated that the band looked through books for inspiration on how to present themselves for the first time. The result was a winged soldier, which Shinoda illustrated himself. According to Chester Bennington, the idea of the soldier, pardon me, with dragonfly wings was to describe the blending of hard and soft musical elements by the use of the jaded looks of the soldier and the frail touches of the wings. Oh, I hate it. I yeah. hate that explanation. Even. Yeah, it's a bad explanation. It, I don't I don't like that. And but it does kind of lend some credence to your sort of sci fi theory. Um, like uh, you got to think for an album that went diamond, this has got to be up there with some of the worst cover art for a diamond record you can think of. Well, I, 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 I like I it's, and it's be- gray. It's like ugly. It just. Yeah. And to me, like, I don't think if I'm a guy in 2000 or 2001 or whenever I'm discovering this album, I don't think I look at that and I go, whoa, a soldier with dragonfly wings. Like, I wonder if this band like blends hard and soft, (laughs) you know, It, it looks like a PS2 video game, like you said, or, uh, and it's like kind of un, I don't know if it's like, uh, I'm, they, maybe people thought it was political. You put a soldier on the cover of your sure, album for and sure. people think it's going to be political and, uh, and then they listen to it and it's the most political apolitical thing in the world. Well, it could be political if you want, Brian. Okay. You don't know. The lyrics are pretty vague. It could be about yeah. anything. Crawling in my skin is about how uh, Hillary Clinton screwed Bernie Sanders in the 2016 <laughs> primary yeah. to me. 15 Just years before. It. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, but yeah, so we pulled, I pulled a couple articles for this. Uh, we always like to try and find an article from the time period. This is from Rolling Stone. There were just a couple quotes in here that, so I know one thing, Brian, you didn't like about them was specifically that they didn't kind of cuss and they were a little bit more softer. And th- these are just some quotes that make them seem so geeky to me. Uh, so this article is from March 14th, 2002 in Rolling Stone. So this would have been sort of after that 2001 where they totally blew up. And the article is just called David Fricky uh, talks to Chester Bennington about or David Frick uh, talks to Chester Bennington about hybrid theory success. Uh, and so this is a, a really dumb quote. 
uh, from uh, the the band. They're kind of talking about how it went, and they're talking about when they started the band. And uh, Farrell, this is the bass player, 25, turns to Han, that's the DJ, in mild surprise. I don't know if you remember this, the bassist says, but three or four years ago, we asked ourselves, like every other band, what do we want out of this? We all went home and wrote down goals. Mike came back with his list of goals, and one of them was, I want to win a Grammy. We were like, wow, that's crazy. It's cool, but it's crazy. <laughs> it is. I mean, trying to win a grant. I, oh, I like just what a ruined. stupid goal, you know? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's weird. I, I don't have like a lot of respect for the Grammys, you know, like, uh, uh, it's more about albums that sold a lot of copies, you know? <laughs> Oh, for sure. Which it Lincoln doesn't Park have did. anything to do with art or I wonder or, if they ever I mean, I'm sure they must have achieved that goal, right? They must have won a Grammy, right? I'm looking at Lincoln right Park now. Deftones have won. Uh Lincoln Park have won two. They won one for uh rap sung performance for numb encore, and they won one for hard rock performance for crawling. And then they were nominated five other times but didn't win. The hard rock Grammy? Hard Rock Performance in 2002. Is Hard Rock Performance metal or is it Hard Rock? Is there a metal Grammy? Uh, There is a metal Grammy. Uh, Okay, so here you go. We'll play another game. 2002, Linkin Park wins the Grammy for Best Hard Rock Performance. Can you guess the other four bands that were nominated, Brian? I will say, I'll tell you this. Two of them, I think, would classify as new metal. One of them sort of defies classification, and one of them is one of those uh, shitty bands we were talking about that kind of use new metal to become like an alternative new metal type thing. Are we talking 2002? 2002. 2002. Um, when what the Grammys are in like February, right? Like, uh, yes, I'm pretty sure. Uh, Man, yeah, I-, I think so. Yeah. I'm really revealing myself to know too much about too much the about the Grammys. Yeah, well, we'll see how many like, of these. We'll see how many I of these you get. I can't remember anything but the Grammys. I'm like, oh yeah, uh, 2002 Grammy uh, Pod yep. on there. Pod Alive, one of the nominees. Yep, but that song should have won Great right song. there because that song was like the biggest Christian song in the history of music. That's right, and and like Christian music. That song had to be the most, the biggest one. Sure. Um, And it's so Christian. He's like, since the day that I found you. And he's like singing to Jesus. Yep. Like they all do. They are like they Um, all do, baby. What's another hard rock band from that? era you said two of them are kind of so new two, metal adjacent two are like, sorts yeah, of two things. metal or new metal adjacent two are new metal adjacent one sort of you some people would call new metal you recently said they were not new metal oh no system of a down nope uh, they, they were they were in your list of bands that you think influenced new metal but i think <gasps> some people would call them new metal oh my goodness gracious i gotta see those bands i have faith no more no Faith No More nominated for a Grammy in O2. <laughs> no, that's true. Yeah, that yeah. is true. I once went to, I would love to drive the listener. Actually, the listeners of this show will probably think this is cool. I saw Limp Biscuit open for Faith No More and left before Faith No More. Yes, so good. I love it. <laughs> it's the coolest thing I ever did. I also did the same thing. My first concert 
was uh, Flotsam and Jetsam, Fear Factory, Corn, and then Megadeth. And I left before Megadeth. I was like, I don't need to see Megadeth. Hell like, who yeah. gives a shit? <laughs> Likewise, I would have done the same. Ah, oh, shit. What am I looking for again? What it's am the, I looking for? It's the band. One of the bands you said influenced new metal, but weren't new metal. Okay. The Red Hot. Is it the Red Hot Chili Peppers? No. That Man. was on your list, but it's not them. You had two other bands. On Rage your Against list. the Machine. That's right. Renegades the of Battle of Los Angeles. Renegades of Funk was nominated that for that fucking song. That's of right. Of all the songs by Rage Against the Machine, that's the Renegades one. Renegades of Funk. So we got Rage so, Against New Rage, Rage POD. Don't call Rage Against the Machine new metal. It will piss everybody off. I mean, we're probably going to do their albums on this show, whether they're new metal or not. Uh, Maybe. Then we have a new metal a band and then yeah one of those kind of like butt rock bands so we got a butt rock band which i will never get right um (laughs) the first guess i'm gonna throw out because this sounds like a band that the grammys would like yeah um and it's one i just thought of uh seether very close to seether oh 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 hold on saliva there it is baby saliva they're your, new metal your that's disease. a new metal band okay sure you can make the i i understand what you're saying about like it doesn't feel like it because the lead singer doesn't look like it but i can't think of a more new metal song than click click boom yeah like, true very new <laughs> metal yeah i'll give you is, that yeah it's one of the most new metal songs. And then I don't think you're going to get the other new metal band. I got to be honest with you. Don't think it's going to happen. Okay. Who, who is it? Alien Ant Farm. Fuck. I love that shit. One, Me too. Two. Also hard to call new metal. I know. Like, they're kind they're of, like, they kind of defy classification. They're like sort of beside new metal, but they're not really new metal. They kind of rap, but they don't really scream. And they're very smooth sounding. I agree. They're in the same sort of weird limbo that incubus exists in. correct correct you know where you look at incubus and you're like man that you know nothing after science feels like new metal no but then even when you go back and listen to science or the fungus among us i mean they don't really sound like new metal there are like one or two songs on science where you're like oh oh certain shade of green certain shade of green new skin yeah, but yeah, uh, yeah they're, it's they're just one of those bands that I I I can see calling them new metal, and I can see calling them like something else. Yeah. One, one thing I've been very surprised about is that I I kind of got the impression like two or three years ago that Incubus would be one of those bands that people follow around the country because they have all of the aesthetic of one of those bands and they were very popular for a time. And, and I truly can't believe they're not, that they're not like in that kind of, uh, fish, uh, <laughs> Pearl jam, even right. category, you know, they need more, they need, they need more jam, jam sounding songs. Yeah. Uh, and, and their songs, <laughs> they're hard. The lyrics to incubus songs are some of the most fun, Oh, to really yeah. get into saying yeah. this love for sure. Uh, the only other thing I'm going to say about these, this Grammy thing. And then I got one more quote from the article and then we'll wrap this bad boy up is uh, in 2000, these three songs lost the hard rock performance Grammy 
Kid Rock, Bawit Daba, Corn, Freak on a Leash, and Limp Biscuit, Nookie, all lost to fucking Metallica for Whiskey in the Jar. I remember you- that. And you know what? We can all act mad about it, but we can also admit that we like Metallica, Whiskey in the Jar. I like Metallica, but I mean, you know, come on. Whiskey one- in the Jar, though, is a good song. I don't like Metallica. Okay, fair enough. Not a fan, but I do like. I did a do la ba di ba do ba. You know, and I can see why you like it. (laughs) I got so close there. I also like in 1999 that uh, Jimmy Page and Robert Plant won for just a side project, Page and Plant. (laughs) Yeah, I never even heard of that. Yeah, they beat. Who were the other nominees? Kiss which is also ridiculous Ugh. in 1999, but then Marilyn Manson, the dope show Metallica fuel and Pearl jam do the evolution page Man. and plant though. Took him down. Almost every song is better than page. And I oh, hate Led Zeppelin. So, anyway. so dumb. Uh, yeah. this, the last quote here from this article that I also thought was very funny. Uh, just because like, I, I hate when bands do this shit where it's like absolutely not true. Like there's just no way that this is a real story, but they have to say it anyway. Uh, so Bennington who had already done hard time with a Phoenix band called gray days is a charming mix of bull elephant certainty and childlike astonishment before hybrid theories release. He made a bet with Myra Simpson national promotions manager at Warner bros. She had a triple platinum stone temple pilots plaque says Bennington, a huge STP fan in another interview. I read, he said that they're the best band that's ever made music. Uh, she said, if you go gold by Christmas, I'll give it to you. I said, cough it up. He laughs. I was joking. Sure enough, hybrid theory was gold by Christmas 2000 quote. And I got my STP plaque. Bennington says beaming. He slept with it in his bunk on the tour bus every night. Nobody touched it. I mean, that there's no way that happened. I mean, I would hate him if I was on the road with him for (laughs) something like that. Don't fucking touch my plaque and I sleep with it every night. I mean, let's be serious here. Well, it's just like when you're on tour, the only thing you want is for the other people on the road with you to act normal. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Well, and so another thing I learned about Linkin Park from this... uh, from this thing uh, that they, they, when they toured, they toured with two buses. One bus was their tour bus and the other bus was a studio so that they could like record on the bus while they were on tour. And then apparently Chester was the only one of them who ever had like a drinking or drug problem. And, uh, but it was only in the early days of the band and then he eventually cut it out. But in those days they made him sleep on the studio bus. Cause he well, would get, yeah. cause he would get like drunk after shows and they're like, okay, well you can't sleep on the bus with us. You got to go sleep on the couch in the studio bus. Yeah. Brett went to a rave after the show in LA and just didn't come back to the hotel room that night. And I, I think part of it in him was like, you know, Brian's going to get like really annoyed at me if I come stumbling <laughs> in here partying, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, that's fair enough. I mean, I understand. It's just a very, it's just a very funny band detail. Yeah. Uh, like, I, 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 you know, we is, had to, they Ooh. seem like teachers. I'm not a <laughs> slight against teachers, John. You're a teacher. No, no, I seem sa- like a teacher. It's fine. <laughs> right. I'm saying that it sounds like going on. They sh- they only toured during the summer because they were teachers <laughs> for the rest of the year. That's who it sounds like you're on the road with at that point. Yeah, no, you're like, right. I can't imagine being like, 
Well, I'm a I'm a I'm in a hard rock band and uh I'm gonna travel the country and I'm not gonna take advantage of any of the cool things that that could come my way. I'm just gonna record music, dude. <laughs> that's uh, I mean that's apparently what they did. <laughs> so, that sucks, man. It's amazing that they did that too, and they still didn't release an album for three years after that. But yeah, it says in two thousand one, Limp Biscuit played three hundred and twenty four shows. Right, there's that's a thing crazy. Of- Limp Biscuit did? No, sorry, Lincoln Park did. Lincoln Park Biscuit, played 324 shows. Yeah, in 2001. These bands get up to some wild fucking tour dates, don't That's they? That's wild, man. 324, dude. I, I looked at a Sheer Mag shirt at a concert for a tour, and they were doing five in a row. Like in it, one city or five days in a row? Yeah, they were doing five in a row where they had to drive to the next oh, one. Oh, yuck. And they did it five times. We just did three in a row. And it like that's brutal to do. Yeah. But like oh, they're sure. on the road. These bands are going on the road. Uh and I've heard this a lot about uh bands like a lot of the really the bands that got super big is like they can find themselves touring for two, two and a half years sometimes. Oh, yeah. oh totally. It's just they keep tacking dates on. And I wonder what Lincoln Park's thoughts were about that, because they they do seem to like music. Or, or they do seem to like making music, but it doesn't feel like uh, you could ever be fulfilled if yeah. you're if you're touring that much. Like I I would be fucking miserable if I was on the road like that. Oh yeah, me too. You got you got to be a certain type of person. Um, okay, let's move on to our our review. And as everyone knows, uh, our review system is that we well, we sorry. John, I want to apologize to you for cutting you off there because it was rude. Don't, but you it's okay. Sent, you sent me another article. Oh, you want to? Yeah, if you got some article stuff to add, go for it. And there was some stuff in that 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 that's the stuff that made me kind of like him. Okay, as sure. A person, yeah, let's get him right? back. Let's get him back because we we didn't like him with the studio bus. So bring him back, baby. Well, he he mentions in it. Is this the one from Revolver? Yes, 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 it it's is. It's the, the lost interview. So this was, he. Rec- it was, this interview was recorded in 2001 at OzFest in Toronto, uh, but it wasn't released until after Chester Bennington died. So this is from but, July 20th, 2018. So this paragraph here, uh, but though Bennington is clearly stoked about the band's increasing popularity, the attitude that he gives off is more excitable nerd than bratty up-and-coming rock star. He's smart, funny, open, goofily charming, and more than happy to talk Revolver's ear off about his life and career thus far. We end up talking about we end up talking and drinking in the lounge for hours. Um, but he, there's a part in here where he says he loves to talk about. Uh, how it happened and i think like dudes that i think that's a very positive thing when when artists are willing to go on record or talk to people about how they got to where they are because show business can be such a is a thing that's like generally just a dream that people have it's like trying to get to the top of a mountain 
without any equipment or, or trying to get to a destination without GPS or a roadmap. And I, I really appreciate the guy coming out and talking about like what it took for him to what it took what it took for them to get big and and a lot of what he said was like maintaining good relationships with people which which i mean there's nothing that there's nothing more important than not being full of shit and maintaining good relationships with your peers in doing any making even half of your money from doing some kind of thing like yeah. that like it's just really good advice and i i like to read people who are willing to talk about coming up and don't just say like that's all in the past and he was able to talk a lot about his other band too gray days or whatever that was so his story is crazy too like the story of how he became like came into lincoln park like that he basically lived in Phoenix and all the other guys lived in LA. And when he was with gray days, there was some like entertainment lawyer who thought he was really good, like a really good singer, but didn't think gray days was like a particularly great project. And then he was like, I'll keep you in mind if like anything crosses my desk. And then Lincoln Parker, I guess at the time they were called zero crossed his desk and he thought of Chester and he was like, Hey, I got these demos from this band. I think you'll like Chester recorded lyrics to five of the demos uh, in 30 hours, like in a day and a half, sent it back to Lincoln Park or Zero at the time. And they and he was just like, yeah, I'm done. Like, you guys want me to FedEx these to you or what? And they're like, you're done already in 30 hours? He's like, yeah, I love the music. I'm good. He's like, I could FedEx these to you or I could fly them to you. That'd be way faster. And then we can like meet an audition or whatever. And so he flew from Phoenix to LA, quit his job. He's working as like a real estate assistant or something. He had two houses in Phoenix. Right. He was doing really well. Yeah. He said he was doing really well. He was only 21. He was already married. They had a kid on the way and he had two houses in Phoenix and he gave it all up and moved to LA and joined Lincoln Park, which I think is like a pretty crazy story that just like wouldn't happen anymore either which is so interesting you know this like the idea that these like a and r men kind of like put these people together they are from different parts of the country they kind of make it happen you know it's such an interesting uh interesting story yeah and uh so the other part i wanted to read about is because it's one of the most important ozfest was important to me Okay, like I went to Ozfest ninety eight or ninety seven, ninety-eight, ninety-nine, maybe jumped off around two thousand one or something, but I like went to all of them. I made it a point to make it to Ozfest every sure. year. Sure. Yeah, I hear that. War Warp Tour was like that for me. Yeah, I kind of felt like that. Yeah, it, it is. It's like a, a the more redneck warped tour is uh Ozfest, but I want to read like his answer to uh, what are your impressions of Ozfest? Oh yeah, this shit's wild. I really like this answer. I think Ozfest is cool, but it's not quite like I expected. I expected Oz- Ozfest to be like the ultimate metal tour, which it is in essence. But because of all the legalities involved and the rules we all agreed to at the beginning of the tour, you can't go down in the crowd, slap hands with fans, whatever. You can't do any of that, which makes for a huge separation between the band and the crowd. I'll be at the edge of the stage and fans will be shouting, jump, jump. We want you out here. And it's like, I can't do it. It's not worth the 35 grand. I'm going to get fired if I jump out there. And that to me, that's 
sucks, you know? For sure. Like, 35 grand is so much money, and it would be super nice. I, I don't know. Like, how do the contracts get written like that? It seems I would have not. This is the kind of thing that would be a make or break for me, you know? Right. It's like, I'm no, I don't want to be on OzFest if you know, there's an invisible wall between me and the audience, you know? Well, he also talked about how the, like the second stage bands couldn't hang out with the main stage bands, like in the backstage area, which was super weird too. I don't know if you were just about to read that, but that was like, yeah. yeah. yeah, So Um, go ahead. You can read it. But uh, there's a lot of restrictions between the two stages as well. There's a lot of bands on this tour that know each other and have all toured together. We've all become friends. But if you're on the second stage, you can't go hang out with your friends in the main stage area. And that kind of bugs me. I don't like to see my friends getting harassed because they want to go to the show. They're they've been playing every day with their friends. I don't like seeing my buddies get treated like they're drunk, belligerent jerks trying to break in and meet the band. It's like, dude, this guy's a rock star too. A lot of these acts are selling more records than some of the bigger acts on the main stage, but they're not getting treated with any respect. And that bothers me. That was a shot at, I mean, Ozzy, right? For sure. And and Sharon. Yeah. And he's not really selling like Ozzy wasn't really selling music at the time and he wasn't charting, you know, osmosis didn't chart. I don't think, (laughs) I don't think Perry Mason was a very, was as popular of a song as Ozzy might've thought it was. And, um, (laughs) I hate, I hate the idea of a, like this this is the kind of thing i hate about old show business and and the music business and and it was probably like this for a comedy business too the kind of separate like separating you know oh this ozzy osbourne he's so big he can't be hanging out with the guys from fucking kill switch engage or something like that he doesn't want to accidentally run into american head charge backstage <laughs> while he's getting his fucking whatever is on his writer that's something fucking crazy like those fucking old classic grok guys suck so bad yeah, no, for sure. I, I, I agree. I'm glad you, you read that part because I, I did read that today and I thought it was pretty wild. And I think that's why probably this interview didn't get didn't get aired or like didn't get written about, you know, because he's saying all this stuff uh, while he's on Ozfest, which that, is like I, crazy, you know. But I feel like there was a story with Corn where they talked about how Jonathan Davis said something mean about Metallica and Metallica just were like, fuck it. And they uh, posted the article all over the locker room and all the, like all over the rooms that they would be in, like the green rooms and stuff like that. And everybody was like, uh, oh, you know, it was a big, con- there was like no real conversation. It was just a joke. And they all just moved on, you know? Yeah. Oh, for sure. And they might've done that with Chester too. I'm just, that's what I'm speculating is why this interview didn't come out until like 17 years after the fact. No, I would hate it if I was doing something like I wouldn't, I would be a lot more careful about how I talk to people, uh, talk to the press, yeah. too. <laughs> but like, uh, I like that he did it. I think that kind of shit's important. And I, I wish this would have come out because I think people would have looked at it I think people would have looked at it a lot, a lot differently. And I, I would have been interested in that. Yeah, no, for sure. 
I, I agree. Uh, okay, we'll move on to the review. And as as you guys know, if you've been listening to the show, uh, we review this. Uh, we review our albums by tweet defense. So this is if someone tweeted at you that the album was bad or that they wanted to have an argument with you, uh, how many tweets would you would you go or devote in an argument over this album? Uh, Brian, what is your what's your score? Okay, here's what I'm going to do because I'm not the kind of guy. I'm not an asshole. You know, okay. I know. And I'm not trying to make people mad. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give this kind of two scores here. Okay. Now, if I was a child, um, (laughs) who just like, who just got done, like listening to like the Teletubbies or, or the imagination (laughs) movers or something. (laughs) And this played, I would defend this tweet with, I would defend this with 10 tweets. Okay. Now, as a 40-year-old and an adult, I, I have to give it a little lower, and I would say I would use three tweets to defend three. this. Okay. And, and with the caveat of saying, you know, it might be three and a half tweets, because <laughs> there would be a tweet in there that would say, it's not for me, which that equals a half tweet. <laughs> right. And that is a lot of times an argument ender in some ways, too, right? You know, you kind of someone says like, Oh, I can't believe you had this opinion. You go, well, whatever. It's not for me. Like there's not really much left to argue about at that point. You just go, well, it's not for me. That's my opinion. We're done here. You know, um, I would say I'll go, ah, this one is tough for me because I, I do think I like reanimation better than this album. And I also think I definitely like Meteora better than this one. I'm going to let you, Hey, I'm going to let you use reanimation. Okay. In your tweet, because I think that's fair. Okay. Uh, it's the same songs. Yes, true. Okay. Then I'm going to say uh, I would go, we'll go lucky number seven. I'd go seven. And a lot of that would be sharing songs from reanimation, I think, because a lot of people don't know it exists. So I would be like, no, reanimation's dope. And people would be like, what? I don't, a remix album is good. And I'd be like, yeah. And then I'd share some tracks. And I'd get them on side by the end. So I'll say, I'll say seven. I don't even know what I've said for the other records. So I don't know. I never if that's, know. I know. I never remember. So I don't know if that's like comparatively where that sits, but I, you know, this album was, was huge for me. I loved it. And obviously I loved reanimation too. So I mean, it's kind of like a scale of one to 10 kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. I see it as, and, and it's a three and a half for a 40 year old man, but it that's, is a nine, nine and a half for an 11 year old boy which you can you can respect that for sure uh so the challenge this month uh uh-huh. last month we did the the deftones challenge where because the deftones were so uninteresting uh we had to invent an interesting backstory for one of the songs on around the fur and i'm i'm happy to say i won my first challenge brian i'm on the board it was very close 52 percent to 48 percent it was I, a writing challenge too. But it where was. you're an English teacher and a comedian <laughs> and smarter than me. Well, okay, I mean, I don't know. Two of those three things might be true. Uh, also, I'm looking at the. Uh, I just now I'm on the Ozfest website over yeah. here. Oh man, it's it's a beautiful one. I I highly <laughs> recommend you check it out. Okay, I, I will. I will. I haven't. <laughs> I can't say I've been on the Ozfest website for for a minute. So. Uh, that's, that sounds like a good thing to do. And I guess the listeners at home, you could do the same if you really wanted to, uh, get in on this beauty. 
Um, so the challenge this month, Brian, you actually came up with this one because Lincoln Park are sort of famous for their generic lyrics. Uh, your challenge idea for this month was to, uh, to write like a, a short verse of a Lincoln Park song. That you, or that or you, a chorus, or you a know, chorus, like, like a chorus, just a sure. little bit like, like a shut up when I'm talking to you. Yeah. Yeah. A, uh, I've tried so hard and, uh, here's the thing. I decided that I was going to wing it with the caveat that I have an idea for what I want it to be about. For what you want to wing it about. And what the song is going to be. Okay. So I'm just going to try this right now. And um, okay, okay, here we go. Uh, I'm trying. You guys got to give me a sec. This is super uncomfortable for me, <laughs> by the way. But it, it's like, uh, come back. Um, oh, hold on. <laughs> I lost you. Come back. I love you. Come back. Uh, you're a sweet. Oh, no woman with a heart of gold and a silver tongue come back that's my song come back by lincoln park <laughs> that's good man that's good uh <laughs> okay i'm i'm doing a real dumb i'm literally writing it as you were singing there so here we go i needed uh, to come up, i really what you need is just like a, a mantra of, of phase like like where it was like if he was in love with a woman he would want her to come back and that's yep. why i made it the comeback song i like know? it okay this is my lincoln park chorus here we go mine's a little bit more yours had a very like punchy mine's a little bit more uh you know because chester go both ways you he could be punchy could be singy this is a little more singy okay so here we go i'm not a great singer uh but here we go Sometimes we gotta wing it. This that sounds like a classic rock melody. I know so, we're looking at some Eagles stuff currently. Yeah, exa- but- yeah, exactly. Sorry. So I gotta I gotta think of it a little bit more like uh, sometimes we gotta wing it, but other times we gotta sing it. I don't know why I can't sing a new metal cadence. These thoughts. Okay, I gotta go slower. Sometimes we gotta wing it, but other times we gotta sing it. These thoughts are all I can think about, and now I can't take it. This could be the last time we do it. I don't wanna fake it. This is all we are. This is what we are. What we are. Okay. You just kicked the fucking shit out of me this week. <laughs> I think if anybody votes for me, they're just fixing the vote at that point. <laughs> the song is called This Is What We Are. It was beautiful. <laughs> oh, thank that you, was my so close to Linkin Park, dude. <laughs> I really love it. So I guess thank our you. new tradition to close the show out is that me and you get to pick two albums to put up in the poll. Yeah. And see what people want, and uh, I think I, I'm I like try. it. I like I, the new tradition, and this is going to be our first our first episode of 2020, Brian. So I feel like it's got to hit hard. Okay, so I have my two albums. Okay, that I think I want to do. Okay, is uh, I'm going to put Cold Chamber back in there, the okay. self-titled I, album. Self-titled. I I incorrectly called it Loco, I which too. some people really gave gave me some shit about. Uh, but so sorry. If you're if you're a pedant out there, okay. And so, okay. 
So, so it's Cole, Cole Chambers, Chambers self-titled, self-titled album. Okay. It's back in. And then the second one, System of a Down, Toxicity. Oh, baby. I'm going for a win, dude. Baby. I think, ooh, this is going to be a tight, this is going to be a tight vote, I think. Because <laughs> here's what I'm going to put up. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to put up, uh, I'll do the same as you. I'll put up the album of mine that wasn't chosen last time, uh, which was uh, Papa Roach, Infest. And then the other one I'm going to put up is uh, Slipknot self-titled the Fuck. First, their first album. Fuck! This is going to be fucking... This is a challenge. I knew Linkin Park was going to win last time, the second you said Linkin Park. And uh, at first I was like, well, there's probably a lot of Street Fight fans listening. Every single one of them are going to want to... are going to pick System of a Down, right? Like, every one of them. There's no way they pick anything else. But, like, I also now know that there's a bunch of people listening that, like, don't listen to either one of our other shows. Because <laughs> I've <laughs> yeah. gotten messages from people who are, like, very normie and are like, uh, hey, man, I, I love this show. It reminds me of the music of my youth. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. I listen to it all the fucking time, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. People who listen to our show are, are sending like, uh, they're like, oh yeah, I used to listen to this album when I, me and my brother used to run each other over with our parents' minivan. <laughs> <laughs> when we were kids, we'd put the, we'd put corn self-titled on in the minivan and then run each other over. And we're like, Most oh yeah, that's... those DMS come from me though. <laughs> yeah, that, like that's a block party listener for sure. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just think like, uh, I think toxicity has a real shot. And yeah. I do think cold chamber took the second most votes. Uh, I, I haven't looked at the poll in a while, but cold chamber took a shitload of votes. Right? I think it was, uh, I think Papa Roach was second, but let me, I'll double check. I'm on the blo- I'm on the POD cast right, right See, now. This is why I picked toxicity. Toxicity is yeah, it- a fucking ringer. So Lincoln Park, so there were 492 votes. Lincoln Park's Hybrid Theory won with 55%. Papa Roach's Infest was second with 24%. Cole Chambers' Self-Titled was third with 13%. And Spineshank's Strictly Diesel was fourth with 8%. Oh, man. So we're going to get Spineshank this, on here somehow. Oh, we will for sure. But this is going to be a, this is going to be a good, uh, this is going to be a good tilt, a good battle, as we would say. So we'll see. If it uh, if it manages to hold up, uh, but that that's it for this month. Thank you guys very much. We are uh, going to be launching a Patreon in January, uh, so details about that will be coming out soon. But keep your eyes open for that. Our plan uh, for that is to just do one bonus episode a month where we review either uh, a compilation, a new metal compilation, or uh, some new metal music videos. Uh, so that's our early plan. Anyway, Even- it might sh- might shape shift into something different. Bands that bands that influence new metal yeah uh i would love to like just cover new metal uh interviews on youtube yeah absolutely just there's there's a million things i want to do and uh, an extra added reason to do bonus shows is uh guests guests yeah so our plan guests on this show absolutely our plan for the bonus shows will be to have some guests on to talk new metal with us and uh we're gonna we'll go over all of it uh like brian said we got lots of options so so the plan starting in january you'll get one of these free episodes every month and you'll get one bonus episode a month too on the patreon so keep an eye out for that uh and all the details of that will obviously be released on our twitter which you can find at the pod underscore cast and that's cast with a k like corn with a 
K. Uh, and you can obviously rate and review the show on iTunes, which is great. Tell your friends. If you had friends that listen to new metal and they're looking for a new podcast, uh, tell them, tell them to listen to this one. It's pretty good. I think. Um, so yeah, I think, did I cover everything, Brian? I think I got it all there in the end. Yeah. Hell yeah, man. That was great, John. I had a good time and uh, I'm going to win. I'm going to lose the contest, but I'm going to win the poll for the next show. Well, and that's, and that's, uh, that's could be a Lincoln park, uh, metaphor. (laughs) I'm going to lose the challenge, but I'm going to win the poll. That's the chorus of one of their last songs. Also, if we can work it out in December, Maybe we could do a little mini episode about Do They Know It's Christmas by Chino and Jonah and uh, Will Haven and the corn Christmas song that's highly problematic. Yes. Uh, I can't I would guarantee say that, that. I would but, say that that would definitely be something that we could do. Yeah. All the new metal Christmas songs. I, I want to get them in there. So uh, we'll, we'll see if we can get that on here by by maybe we'll post it on Christmas Day. Perfect. And that's what everyone wants after they have Christmas dinner with their family, get all their presents, listen to highly problematic corn Christmas carols. Did you hear? Have you ever heard? Do they know it's Christmas? I think so. Yeah, I feel like I have. But I mean, if I have, it's been two decades since I've heard it. So yeah, Chino does this really great part where he's like, but when you're having fun. It's just very weird. But uh John, it's been a pleasure. The pleasure uh, is always mine, my friend. We're Great doing to... we're someday there will be more POD cast live shows. Uh I think we might have it uh worked out somewhat. We, we have gonna... like some steps to take, but I think it might be closer to happening than people might think. Yeah, we did. We had a we had a great time in Seattle when we did uh, when we did that one, and I'm sure we're hoping. Yeah, we're hoping in the new year, maybe towards the, the you know this time next year, maybe a little before we might July. Have a little, yeah, we might have what, a we're run. shooting for July, right? Like yeah, to, the, uh, to the time the, of Ozfest. The, we're bringing DNC. back Ozfest. Ozfest is a New Year's Eve thing now. Is it? Oh, okay, cool. But yeah, the DNC is in July, and I think that's what we want. We want to try to get done. So. Okay, well, we'll we'll try our best. We're, we're gonna we got we got some things in the works. Pod Cast is gonna have a big twenty twenty. Thanks for everybody that's listened so far. I think it's exceeded both of our expectations. Uh, we appreciate you and uh, we love you and thank you for listening to this very dumb podcast about a very dumb genre of music that we love very very much. We'll see you next month.